Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. On the new podcast, American Criminal. You'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders. Was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. I think it would be easy to underestimate or underappreciate the morning fog, considering a lot of the heavy emotional um, roller coaster type, you know, complex themes that that just totally, you know, rock you through the entire ninth wave. But, you know, just to end on such a a positive, clear, gorgeous note is um, unexpected and uh, uh, just so beautiful. to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I'm Cecily Link, and this week we're wrapping up all of the album songs from Hounds of Love. We've gotten to the last one. Of course, there's still all the B-sides and stuff to go, but this is the last episode for the album itself, and we're finally ending this wonderful second side of the album with the last song, The Morning Fog. about the song this week is someone who was on last on the show in the Never Forever season talking about Babushka and she's back to talk about one of her favorite Kate Bush songs and she is Elizabeth Noter Angelo. Yay! And another fellow another fellow American Kate Bush fan. Woohoo! There are lots of us. Yeah. Hard to come by. <laughs> so what is it about Morning Fog? Other than the, just the fact that it's a really fucking beautiful song. Amazingly beautiful. I think it's just the uh, the incredibly hopeful, transcendent tone that just runs through the lyrics and through the music. Yeah, definitely. This even, I mean, certainly compared with the last song, this is in E major, which has four charts. It's a nice happy key. And yay, just all sorts of happy yay. Yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely upbeat, which is so interesting considering the tone of the ninth wave overall. It's um, 
I mean, it's a wild ride, um, but for it to end the way it does on such a positive note, uh, I think I think it would be easy to underestimate or underappreciate the morning fog, considering a lot of the heavy emotional um, roller coaster type, you know, complex themes that that just totally, you know, rock you through the entire ninth wave. But you know, just to end on such a, a positive, clear, gorgeous note is um, unexpected and uh, just so beautiful. I know. And you see, most of you get like the pretty plucked guitar. And it's just, oh, it just takes you like, oh, I know. Yeah, that guitar. I mean, I, it's, it just sparkles. I mean, it's unbelievable. I, uh, the guitarist was John Williams. I'm not even sure who that is, but whoever he is, he's a brilliant man. And um, it just, it's golden. That guitar is just absolutely golden. first time you heard this song what was kind of your first reaction to it the first actually hounds of love was my first kate album um i was nine and uh you know so that goes back a ways i want to say mid 90s and um you know i listened to it and was blown away by the album of course because i think that's everybody's reaction if that's not your reaction i i you probably haven't actually heard it um, <laughs> yeah, <seriously. laughs> you know i mean it was unbelievable so i I was prepared for this by my dad who introduced me to Kate and who introduced me to the album. And he really loves a good story. Um, and, you know, I think Hounds of Love can definitely be classified as progressive rock and in progressive rock, you get a lot of that sort of narrative uh, element. And with the interconnected nature of the ninth wave, you know, the, my reaction to the morning fog depended heavily on my interpretation of the story that ran through um, the entirety of the ninth wave. And my dad had a, an interpretation that I think might have been somewhat unique because I've seen many. Um, and I think that's to be expected when it's, it's so uh, cryptic in a lot of ways, but in his interpretation, the ninth wave, you know, with under ice, you have someone who falls under the ice and, and drowns. And, um, you know, you go through waking the witch and, watching you without me. And it's just this whole experience of, you know, death and judgment and, you know, disassociation and hello earth. And then when you get to the morning fog, it's this uh, transformative metamorphosis, you know, this like rebirth experience. And it just, by the time you've been through the entire, um, the entire ninth wave and you've just been through, you know, sort of seeing your whole life flash before your eyes and, separating from everything you ever knew and then you come to this this moment of just rising above all of that you know plummeting back to the physical it's just um so hopeful and everything's new everything's so so new and hopeful and um I think my first reaction even even that young even when I was nine was just like what an absolutely sublime experience this 
this particular song is to like bring closure to this ridiculously um, powerful experience. Yeah, it is. It's such a, you've been through this nightmare basically. And then suddenly it's just, everything is like, ah, we can finally breathe. We're kind of coming, coming out of it. And, and and it's, it's leaving you with a good feeling at the end of the story, considering what the protagonist has been through. Poor lady. Oh my God. No, rough day, rough day. Um, oh, yeah. And I think, you know, <laughs> definitely a tough one. Ninth wave song sequence concludes with the morning fog. Well, that's really meant to be the rescue of the whole situation. Um, where now, you know, suddenly out of all this darkness and weight comes light. You know, the weightiness is gone and here's the morning. Uh, and it's meant to feel very positive and, and bright and um, uplifting from the very sort of dense darkness of the previous track and um, although it doesn't say so in my mind this was the song where they were rescued where they get pulled out of the water and it's very much a song of of seeing perspective of really you know of being so grateful for everything that you have that you're never grateful of in ordinary life because you just abuse it totally so and it was it was also meant to be one of those kind of thank you and good night songs you know the, the little finale where everyone does a little dance and then the bow and then they leave the stage <laughs> and especially that opening stanza you know where i think it's interesting rebirth imagery because you know if you think about the experience of of death and then the experience of rebirth you know, the opening line is the light. And of course, that would be the first thing, you know, that would hit you, you know, kind of mm -hmm. in, in being born. Um, but then there's also, you know, beginning to bleed and breathe and speak. And it's just, it really does seem to be like a, a physical manifestation of coming to life. And I always thought that was really interesting. Um, you know, my, my dad always had a, a very philosophical mind and a very spiritual mind. And in his interpretation, what he shared with me was, you know, like I was saying before about death and, and, you know, all of the things that may happen afterward and then reincarnation and rebirth. And um, in a way, it almost seems literal in the opening stanza of this song. really well with the first song from In Dream of Sheep because the first line of that is little light shining and then yeah. this last song begins with how with a, a line that has the word light in it and so it feels very like okay we've kind of come back around you know yeah it's definitely a very um, deep thematic connection and that's that's a really interesting point, you know, sort of the beginning of this experience and the end of this experience, and they kind of begin the same way. And I love that at the beginning of this stanza, we open with that light, and then throughout the whole song, um, 
there at the end of each verse is, you know, I love you better now. I love you better now. How much I love them. And it's just, it's powerful because after this nightmare experience, the speaker um, comes away with so much perspective. So um, that's part of what makes the song so transcendent is that, that perspective that like having learned something, having learned something really important and that lesson resulting in overwhelming love um, it just, it feels very sublime and uh, infinite. No one, I love you surrounded by all these people who I love so much. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because there are many different interpretations of this piece, you know, the whole piece the ninth wave mm-hmm. as, as a unit, you know, there's, um, you know, the idea of going through something harrowing and surviving it. And then there's an interpretation where you go through something harrowing and you don't survive. And then there's this rebirth and either way it works. You know, I think that's what makes this song so powerful is that it, the the message um, applies regardless of how uh, regardless of the outcome. You know, it's almost like mm-hmm. plot doesn't matter as much as theme. I've read a lot of different interpretations as well of like, okay, in the song, are is she did she die and is she coming back to life as somebody else, or was she right. or was she rescued? And I think I. I agree with you. It's such a rich enough song that it's open to so many of those different interpretations. And, you know, I'm going to be honest, my interpretation changes from day to day and certainly how I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah, now I hear you. I hear you. And because there's so much here, it, you know, it's such a complex piece. It's it's impossible to read it the same way from one reading to the next uh, or from one listen to the next. You know, it's different things jump out at you and um a lot of it is just based on mood because it's like depending on how you feel today you're going to notice something different uh it's such a a versatile piece on this song in particular but just the entire uh the entire ninth wave it's it's really an incredible piece of artwork i mean so genius and this has so many oh my god it has so many different moods and it combines just all the all these different parts like on its own like okay and this song it's gonna, this song is going to be kind of a more full song, and then drums are gonna come in, and then we're gonna suddenly have a Georgian folk song in the middle of it, just for shits and giggles. And then, oh yeah, this mm-hmm. song is gonna be just kind of a, a lullaby, and then this other one is gonna be very tense, almost like Psycho, and then this one's gonna be 
like you're in the middle of a nightmare with, with witch, witch trials. Like on paper, it could sound like, okay, how's this going to work? And she makes it work and just brings you into the cinematic. Oh my God. I just, I just love it. And it's like, this is the right time of year to be listening to this, like just having this, this whole universe that she's created and just immerse, especially with something like Waking the Witch that's like oh, really, really scary. It feels like Halloween music. Hello. I don't even go to Halloween parties. And if I had a Halloween party, I'd be playing that song. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially like, I know you had mentioned this particular time of year being so appropriate. And I think it, it, it really connects because, you know, fall is a time of transformation and, um, you know, sort of death and rebirth. And it just uh, <laughs> thematically connects definitely very strongly. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, when you look at something like like Waking the Witch, you know, you, you get into this, like you were saying, this nightmare witch trial. Um, there's also this element of judgment. Uh, it's just, it's so intense um, and frightening, you know, and, you know, the, the sort of destitution of watching you without me and then the exuberance of Jig, Jig of Life. And then it's so, it would almost seem like with Hello Earth, um, a little bit of closure, you know, it almost feels mm -hmm. like it could have ended there, you know, you you read it and you you listen to it and oh my god of course her voice is is unbelievable you know the emotion mm -hmm. when she's singing like let that go you know it's like oh this 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 chance encounter is what either put her through this horrible experience that she survived or killed her depending um, and it could end there you know go to sleep little earth that could be the end of the story so it. I think it would be easy to dismiss the morning fog too easy as, as potentially kind of a throwaway, but there's, it's obviously it's not anything. Kate never did anything without a reason on these albums. And this song is, it serves such a strong purpose um, because you can't, you can't just end on go to sleep. You know, there's, because you wake up one way or another, you wake up and, you know, the, the hopeful, um, positive tone of the song, just, it's the right closure. You know, it's like, it's choosing to grow from adversity. And it's just, it's so inspiring. Oh my God, I love that. Especially growing from my, oh my God, I love that. And, and you know, I'm, I'm getting that too. Like the more I've dug into these songs for the show and then listening to this in preparation. And it's just, yeah, sometimes if I'm in the right mood with this, I will say this song will make me cry, especially recently, because I've been through, of course, I've never been a shipwreck victim or anything like that, like our poor protagonist in the story, but I've certainly had my share of ups and downs and happinesses and sadnesses, and this song for me, I guess like the first time I heard this, probably would have been either on flashback alternatives or it would have been listening to all the pounds of love when I got the CD for dirt cheap in Hawaii on vacation with my parents. And I just, I love just how that you go through the, it just, you, you go through this nightmare experience and you're coming out the other side and you're like, Hey, and to me, to me, I've always seen it, for me at least, and I know it's, like we were saying, it's open to interpretation. I've seen it as somebody surviving, getting rescued, and going home and realizing, wait a minute, I'm going to be surrounded by the people I love, and just being grateful. You're realizing that you really do love life, and you want to be alive, yeah. so you can have these experiences and experience them 
with the people you love and and that's just a, it's such a fucking beautiful thing you know and not enough people write about that absolutely um that sense of gratitude especially after having been through something awful um is what gives you room to grow uh, and you know it's like if things had ended with go to sleep little earth it, it could have worked but it wouldn't have it wouldn't have shown the path to transcendence mm-hmm. you know it, if it had ended there it would have been the end of a story but it wouldn't have you know story then but as, as human people, as real people, you know, when the story ends, whatever it may be, whatever you may have gone through, um, you continue, you persist. Afterward, mm-hmm. you're still there. You, you know, you have to live with it. You have to live with the experience. And it's really up to you how you do that. So um, I think, you know, this song says a lot about moving forward in the best possible way. Um, and I, I know, you know, there, that the interpretation where someone is rescued from a shipwreck is probably, probably what was intended. Um, and it makes a lot of sense because, you know, I, I kiss the ground. Yeah. I bet you will after having been through a shipwreck, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> you know, um, but, but it's like, I'll tell, I'll tell everyone, I'll tell them because when often enough, far too often, when we lose someone, that's what we want. We want to tell them one more time. And this character has that opportunity and is smart enough to take it. Um, even someone who in an interpretation where they didn't survive uh, and are being reborn, um, you know, that, that lesson's going with them, you know, this time I'll tell them. And mm-hmm. I think that that can be a really positive uh, interpretation as well. And even if, even if it's just the soul moving on to a new life, a new lifetime um, with new people, uh, the love for the people that they had is coming with them. So I think either way, it's just a matter of um, stripping away and returning to basics and returning to what's really important, which is the only thing we've really got, which is love for the people that we care about. Yeah, and gosh, when I think about that kind of that kind of theme, I'm reminded of all the love from uh, from the previous song, The Dreaming, and how that song is about how so we sometimes don't tell people we actually who we care about that we care about them until it's almost too late. And this is going and saying no, like I know it's not directly referencing that song, but the, just that theme of like communication and being grateful for people who love you it makes me think back to that song a little bit. Yeah, it's an interesting connection because with all the love, you know, it's like you were saying, on one hand, it's like people don't say it enough until it's too late or, you know, until it's getting close to too late or it's beyond that point and there's nothing left to say. Um, I think all the love is an interesting one to to bring up right now because I think that song talks a lot about how um, complicated relationships can get and how when even, even when you do love someone, there are things that your negative things, sometimes bitterness or resentment um, or insecurity that prevents you from saying it, your pride gets in the way and you don't. And relationships get muddy and they get complicated and hairy and tangled and it get really ugly. Um, Even though you still love someone, you know, you love them and that's why you still have them around, but there's all of this static. Um, And in the morning fog, that static is just ripped away. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. gone. The after experience of, of the ninth wave, you come to this point where it's just, I mean, it's so 
so transcendent and so simple and beautiful that you float through that song. I mean, you fly. Mm-hmm. It's, you can't, it's like there's no weight anymore. That physical weight is like gone. And it's interesting that it's called, because, like, okay, like where I live in Southern Virginia near the water, we get a lot of fog. And, yeah. and, and, and when you fog, like you reach out and touch it and it's just, it's, it's so light, you, you can barely even feel it's there sometimes. And so it, I think it's a, a really wonderful use of imagery to have it be like, yeah, like you, what you were saying with like, you're just, you're light, you're, you're, you're weightless and it like fog. A very different mindset than, than the mindset we spend most of our lives in because as physical beings, as people, you know, we, we rely on clarity. We, you know, we expect things to be linear. We expect things to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And this, this, idea of this morning fog is this, this different place of different perception um, where things aren't so clear, but things, you know, as far as like vision, but then there is a spiritual clarity that you can only re- reach when your eyes are closed, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. Such a, I think that this is a wonderful way to end the album, and I'm glad that she ended it the way that she did, because you're, you're not feeling like, like, like you were saying with a journey. You feel like you have been through this journey, and this person has changed, and that's what makes the most interesting kind of story, is having a character who changes. It's a, not a character who's static. Like, they've gone through this experience, and they've learned shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's been real growth for this person, and that's so interesting to see. Um, you know, it makes the character dynamic and uh, three-dimensional and relatable because you can't help but be transformed by such a traumatic experience. Um, and how it transforms you depends very largely on how you choose to uh, internalize and integrate um, the experience and you know this particular story you know like we've said over and over it just it just ends on such an uplifting um, note that apparently you know and, and thankfully it seems like this this speaker you know was changed for the better um, which is such such an inspiring and hopeful message um, because it's not always easy to have that be the outcome. Actually, I mean, you were mentioning there's the guitar. I do. I love the guitar. I love that just like it just though that picked guitar just adds this like nice little splash of something. I'm not sure quite what, but just feels something almost like little little splashes of sound. 
Yeah, it is very stripped down, especially when you consider the rest of the album. We've got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of synthesizers, a lot of production, um, you know, especially when you in the opening of the album, which is, you know, running up that hill. Um, it is, like I said, like very produced, very um, full of synthesizers. Um, interesting stuff, you know, it's, it's a very mid-80s album in a lot of ways, uh, you know, with running up that hill and when you get to the end of the album, it's so simple and so stripped down and that guitar, uh, it'd be a shame to do too much to this, you know, to overproduce this particular song because that guitar is just so stunning, like stunningly Mm -hmm. beautiful. Um, I think, I think it really makes a lot of sense when you get to the idea of like a, a super simple view of life where the only thing that matters is the only real permanent thing. The only thing that actually has any value um, one thing if only one thing has value it's love for the people around you and that simple simple message can only really be you know be showcased with a very simple very simple instrumentation um, and it's it's simple but it's transcendent you know that guitar is unbelievable and you know Del Palmer on this of course like as if he's ever done anything wrong with an instrument <laughs> Um, so it's just, it, it, it had to be like the music itself had to be as simple as the message so that it could be as sublime as it is. production work that she does sometimes it's just nice to kind of it's nice to just strip it back a little bit and have something that's not so busy and even though we've still got some cool stuff going on we got the guitar and yeah we got Dell of course doing the bass uh there's her brother Patty doing uh, violins and an mm-hmm. interesting instrument I actually didn't really know about until um doing research for the show that he plays an instrument called a fujara, which I, is a mm-hmm. pipe instrument. It's a beautiful, uh, I was looking at some pictures of it. It's like really, really cool. I'm going to put that in the show notes so you guys can see. And then we have Kevin McGalley playing the synthesizer. That's probably like the pads you occasionally hear a little bit of. And of course, Kate doing her thing. I, lo- I love on this song too, like you got her lead vocal and then you get her, I, lo- of course, I always love her background vocals that, Oh, naughty, I don't know. It's, oh, it's so pretty. I love it. Yeah. Oh. It's amazing. Which, which adds they, to that, yeah. like, this kind of, like, bouncy, happy atmosphere. It feels like, like something like a little kid might, like, sing this, like, oh, Every piece of it lifts it up higher. You know, every little every little touch just raises it a little bit. And that's what makes this song. That's why you fly through it. That's why you float through it. Because, you know, every little piece that she, you know, put together to create this thing, 
Um, it's like, it's like climbing stairs, you know, everything just lifts you slightly higher until you're flying. It's, it's incredible. Um, you know, I, and we do have some synthesizer in this song, but it's so subtle. And this is why, this is why I love her as much as I do, because she knows when to produce her to her little heart's content. You know, she can just a whole song, you know, with a synthesizer, just all over the place. And then something like this, you know, she knows when to use that lighter touch, like what an artist, you know, she's just, mm -hmm. uh, she's got the light touch when she needs it. And she can, she can sock you in the face too, when she needs to, it's, it's like, she's perfect. She's perfect at it. I mean, no one, I really don't know that any other musician has known when to apply pressure and when to release it quite like her, you know? And some of my other favorite artists can have learned to kind of rein in things over time, but it is true that they, yeah, and that's part of, for me, why Kate is my absolute favorite artist is because of her ability to know when to just go all the way in and when to just like pull it back. And I'm especially, you're especially going to see that on some of the B-sides from this season. Like, I'm going to have such a fun time talking about My League of Love, for instance, because that's just her singing. Like, nothing else behind her. And then yeah. like, the Handsome Cabin Boy, which is almost a cappella, but she has a drone in the background while she's doing it. Doing her thing. And, but, yeah, but then on this song, it, it's, it, it almost feels like something that, that you could, you, like the, the kind of style of music she might have heard a lot of growing up. It just has this kind of, it has this really folky sort of feel to it. And I think it's because of the guitar. Like I hear pick guitar and I can start to think folk, almost not country music, yeah. but sometimes going in that direction. Not saying that the song is country because it's not, but you, you, get, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the that guitar is very folky. It really is. Um, for such a strongly progressive album, you know, for it to end on such a that you know simple folk music note, it, it's a departure. Um, but it, it it makes so much sense. Um, it just it works so well, and that that guitar is absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's folk music, hundred percent. You know, it's it's got that. Like you, I know I'm searching for the word because, like you said, it's not country music, but it is. It is though, in a way, like it's it's music of the country, not not so much. You know, obviously, it's nothing like Brad Paisley, but it's it's like music of you know the the land. You know, mm -hmm. music of the people. Yes, exactly. And Kate, with her unique, you know, her unique heritage, she's got that English and Irish influence. Um, and, you know, there's some amazing, amazing English folk music, amazing Irish folk music. Um, this particular song is like a phenomenal hybrid of, of the two and of, you know, what it meant to be making progressive music in the 80s. Yeah, that's like, it's especially also just in general on this album, with Hounds of Love, you get the, she's combined so many of her like she has such a it's such a unique sound where where Kate puts in some of her folk elements of, from some of the the music that she listened to growing up and then you, and then but you also have like the thundering drums from Hounds of Love that are very eighties but and and I say that with the most amount of affection possible because I absolutely love eighties music and I love all this stuff 
But the, yeah, this whole oh, is just like all about combining things. And, and you're right, she does this really well on the morning fog. The 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 picked it's, guitar and the and the synthesizers too. Oh, it's just just such a beautiful song. Oh my god, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's it's oh, it's so beautiful and it's such an amazing anchor for this album that takes you all over the map. It just this one, in a way, it grounds you and also lifts you above the clouds. I mean, it's amazing how it does both, but it, it does both. from this song. I mean, we've been talking a lot about the theme and the production and the instruments. So what are some of your favorite lyrics? Well, I think um, I do. I absolutely love the the opening with the light beginning to bleed and breathe and speak. I think that's so um, almost a literal, like, like I was saying before, like a literal um, representation of rebirth. Um, and it's interesting for me too, especially now, it's like really topical because you know, I've got an 11 week old baby right now. So for me, you know, I thinking about that philosophically, thinking about his experience of coming into the world, you know, those, those very first moments Aww. to the first day, you know, it's, it's amazing. And it's, that experience is so, it's so far in most of our distant past that we never think about it, you know, but for me now, I, I think about his, you know, he, he's so tiny, you know, he's a little tiny peanut, but you know, that was, that's his only significant experience so far, you know, so it, it just, it makes me think, and when you think about the sweet morning fog, I can't help but think about him and think about right now, his, his perception of the world is very foggy, very, you know, he's, mm. when they're that little, you know, they're barely a human, you know, all they're really doing is surviving, and, but as he's getting just a little bigger, and he's starting to smile and starting to interact, you know, that, that, that sweet morning fog is that innocence of not understanding your world, but only knowing, you know, those very first positive associations only with the people around you, because that's all he knows, you know? So it's like, this song right now is very topical. So it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's a fun time for me to be analyzing it. So, you know, <laughs> I called so you at the, the right time about, then. Absolutely. Um, so the lyrics about beginning to bleed and breathe, the, the lyrics about the sweet morning fog, that innocence, that that like total lack of clarity for him right now. He knows nothing. All he knows is, you know, literal breathing and, and smiling at, at me and his brother and his dad. And so all all he's got and all you have in the beginning is love and minimal experience, um, which is, which is that sweet, innocent fog, uh, you know, that clarity that comes with not knowing too much. Um, so I think, uh, you know, a lot of my, when you were asking about favorite lyrics, um, I think, you know, talking about that, that sweet morning fog, because it's not, there's nothing, um, I'm not sure how to say it. I guess, 
there's no fear. You know, there's nothing to fear in that fog. It's just floating through those first moments. And uh, that's always seemed really powerful to me. So uh, they're amazing. You know, I've got two now. My older son is three and a half and he's young enough too that his, his experience is minimal and he, he knows so little, relatively speaking. Um, so their innocence is gorgeous. And, uh, you know, there, there's nothing like it. There's just nothing like it um, because they're going to grow and they're going to learn and they're going to they're gonna find themselves weighed down by so many things that get so complicated, but it, it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, and thank goodness there's still time for all of that. Yeah, that is so beautiful. Oh, gosh, I tell you, talking with talking with different people and everything, like I wouldn't have even thought because I don't have kids, and I'm probably never gonna have kids, but I have friends who do, and just you bringing in that that perspective, with you know, said seeing the world is through a child's eyes, and that yeah, they can't see that long yet. That is so beautiful. I had never thought of that before. It's, you know, especially, like I said, especially now, you know, having one so young, it's, it's impossible not to think of it that way. But, but before, I never would have. And even with my dad's interpretation of the morning fog, literally meaning rebirth, being reincarnated after having died, you know, I remember thinking, you know, I was primed to think of it in this way, but I never conceived of it quite, quite that way until these two came along. You know, especially now with my tiny, tiny little peanut guy, I, you know, I look at him and I'm just like, you, you know, especially when you think about their, literally the physical limitations of their vision, that small, there are certain colors they can't see beyond a certain point, you know, about a foot away from, like, from, a, I think it's about a foot away from their face is where they can see best, too close and it gets blurry, too far and it gets blurry and, and it straightens out as they get older, but like literally foggy, literally foggy vision. Yeah, and then, you know, I just kind of had this thought, and I didn't have it in my notes, but I'm thinking of it now. I think the use of fog in this song is especially intriguing when you think about the the album that's going to come, The Sensual World, and there's a song on there called The Fog. But that's true. That's the theme of that song almost feels like the opposite of this one where this one is is yes you're 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 being reborn again and you're you're feeling lighter and you're not worrying about anything and then the fog on the sensual world feels like 
oh, wait, I see this thing here and I'm not sure what what's in there and I'm really, really scared. Like, if, if instead in that song, what eventually when I get to it, because, oh, I forgot that song. That in that song, the, the use of the fog, the fog is something that's making you think that the situation is worse than it actually is until, you know, you just put your feet down and you realize that the water is not as deep as you think it is. It's only waist high. And so I, I think it's interesting just that in two very different songs, she's used fog. And yeah, I know that that's the, uh, a song to come, but that her use of fog is oh, like completely different from that, from this song, The Morning Fog, to the fog from the sensual world. Yeah, I mean, she she's a true artist in that way because, you know, she's using this this symbolism, you know, the same symbolism, but in such different ways. That's one thing I love about Kate is her her literary proclivity. You know, she's she's a great storyteller, and you know, she uses those devices that that writers use in narrative, and it's interesting because, like you're saying, in on the sensual world, the fog is a there. It, there's obscurity and it's frightening, and you know it clouds vision. Um, in this song, on this album, that fog, which is usually obscurity, it usually you know comes with obscurity, and that that you know almost should create confusion and fear. Mm -hmm. In this case, blocks all of anything that might be confusing and and distills down you know, to such clarity and simplicity, the only thing anybody really needs to know to survive and that's love. So it's like in this case, you know, that the fog brings clarity. Very much. Which is a very interesting juxtaposition because fog that's not what fog usually does. Oh god. You know, no. Quite the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, driving along, okay, put on those special lights because oh I can't see jack shit in front of me. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's, it's just an amazing experience. It's such a, it's a short song, you know, it's mm -hmm. only two minutes and what, 37 seconds, I think, but it's a powerhouse. Well, we know that Kate loves to pack a lot in little time sometimes. And then other times she'll take a song to take an interesting idea and stretch it out over 13, 14 minutes. See Misty. Yeah. <laughs> She's versatile. No two ways about that. That is for sure. Yeah, yeah, this is probably the shortest. I would say that this is the shortest song on the album. It is two minutes and 34 seconds. It is about the length of Under the Ivy. I think it might be 20 seconds longer than Under the Ivy. Oh, Under the Ivy is a great one. Oh, God. I can't wait to get to that song. Oh, it feels good. You know, I haven't, and I'm remiss because I have, I have it. Um, I just, I haven't actually listened to it. Um, so you probably know better than me what notable differences are. 
um, I, I've heard that she highlights different things, and you know, Before the Dawn is a like a, just a slightly different take on it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid I can't comment too much, um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, it's not terribly different from the album version. It's a little bit longer. And what I think is especially touching about it is that there are a couple of added lyrics, and one of them is, uh, and the part where she's saying, oh, I'm going to tell my brothers, I'm going to tell my mother, I'm going to tell my father how much I love them. Um, mm -hmm. She says, I'm going to tell my son. And in the book, <laughs> I know. And in the bootlegs, because yes, I watched the bootlegs and some of this stuff. Thank you, people who are hiding this very, you know, being very transparent like that. Like she actually like reaches over and like puts her arm around her son, and I'm just like, I say that, I go, oh my god, that is so sweet. <laughs> That is so precious <laughs> and I can relate, especially now I've got two little boys and uh, if there's anything in the world that, you know, after having gone through a harrowing experience and coming back from it, you know, one day when I leave this life, there will be nothing with me, uh, but the love for those two kids will follow my soul to eternity. I mean, it's just so powerful. I, I, <laughs> I'm not surprised to hear that she added him. I know. And also because he, she did a lot when she was doing press for Before the Dawn, Kate was pretty quick to mention that she wasn't really ever going to perform live again, but it was her son who convinced her to do it. And Yeah, well, we all have him for in that case. I know. I, I love that, that he was able to go like, hey, mom, no, really, you're Kate Bush, come on. I'm going to drag you up on the stage, come on, you have to do this. <laughs> and right. I can just imagine he was doing that, except it would be in a British accent, so it would sound even cooler and a lot better than my American accent. But you know, it is because of him that the, the Before the Dawn show even happened, and even though I didn't get to say it long but at least... At least there was at least there was a full recording of the shows, so at least they didn't cut it up the way they did the tour of life. So there you go. But yeah, the, the live version is not. It's really not that much different. It's about. It's actually three minutes longer. It's more than like twice the length of the original because there's like extended. Uh, it's there's extended instrumental pieces and things like that. But it's really not that much. Different. Oh, and then. I know on the bootleg that it had, she brought out all the, her, all the different musicians. There was a whole, all these people on the stage with her and she was just all happy. Like, Oh, thank you. Thank you all so much. It's just, it's so sweet. And it was oh, such a good song awesome. to do that with. Like it, it feels like it's a good ending song. Like, yep, we, we've come to the end. And, oh, there we go. Yeah. It's a great closer. Um, and it's like you were saying at the beginning, when we first started talking tonight, um, that that overwhelming sense of gratitude. So of course that's how she would end it. It makes perfect sense. Absolutely, especially that second part of the show. And then going into Ariel. Ugh, Ariel. Oh my God. It's...
My goodness, thank you. Thank you. What an overwhelming response. Thank you so much. So, anything else you'd like to say about the morning fog? I think we've covered a lot of it, honestly. I think we have. I think we've, we've made pretty good work of it. Um, it's just just an amazing little powerhouse of a song and um 
it's it's just ah, just amazing, you know that that sparkling clean guitar, you know the whole juxtaposition of obscurity and clarity, you know it's just amazing, just amazing. What a what a perfect way to end the album. Um, there's not much more to say about it than that. It's just uh, such an uplifting final message. Like, hey, I got through it. You can too. Yep, absolutely. The only the only thing of any real value is um, is love, and that's just she's so one hundred percent right. It's a it's an amazing song. So much um, so much joy and gratitude, and it's so simple. Indeed, and it it doesn't need anything else. It really doesn't. Nope. That's all about nope. A lot of we're restarting. We're going back to basics. We don't need any all all the other production things. Oh, it's just yes, it's so beautiful. Oh my god. (laughs) It has been my absolute pleasure to talk about it tonight with you because it's rare to be able to really dive in um, to to Kate. You know any any of her masterpiece tunes like this uh, on a daily basis. (laughs) It's been great fun. Alina, thank you so much for taking the time to, to be on the show. It was great to talk to you and hope to have you on again sometime. Let me know if there's ever another song you'd love to talk about. Oh, absolutely. So I would be very interested if you're ever having trouble getting people to talk about a Kate song. If there's one, I know you've had, you know, some issues getting folks with certain certain songs for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. People aren't as quick to sign up for them. Um, you can always feel free to hit me up for those because I guarantee uh, there, there's not a Kate song I'm afraid of. You know what I mean? There's not one out there. Um, but as you're, <laughs> so as I, you'll probably, I assume you're doing her discography more or less in order. So you're, you're going to hit the sensual world here sooner, sooner, I imagine, rather than later. But when you get to Ariel, okay. reach out. You <laughs> let me know do. because. I love that album, especially the second side, uh, you know, the, the second disc or even if any part of it, any part of it. I'm, I'm game. Awesome. Awesome. I've never been so pleased to finish anything in my life. There were times I never thought it'd be finished. It, it was, uh, it was just such a lot of work. All of it was so much work, you know, the lyrics, trying to piece the thing together, but I did love it. I did enjoy it. And everyone that worked on the album was wonderful. And it was really, in some ways, I think, the happiest I've been when I've been writing and making an album. And I know there's a big theory that goes around that you must suffer for your art, you know, it's not real art unless you suffer. And uh, I don't believe this, because I think, in some ways, this is the most complete work that I've done. In some ways, it is the best. And uh, I was the happiest that I've been compared to making other albums. Well, everybody, that's it. We are out of Hounds of Love album songs. And that can only mean one thing. B-sides and collaborations. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to start releasing the B-sides and collaborations episodes. So we're going to get to talk about songs like Under the Ivy. We're going to talk about The Handsome Cabin Boy, My Leg in Love, and her collaboration with Peter Gabriel, Don't Give Up. There was her song with... 
a big country called the Seer. We still have like another album's worth of songs to go, even though these weren't on the album, but she did do these songs. So we're going to get to talk about it. I'm so excited because some of these, I'm going to just, spoiler alert, are some of my favorites and probably some of yours as well. If you're enjoying the show, you can follow me on Twitter at StrangeKateCast on Facebook, facebook.com slash katebushpodcast, and also on the web at kbcast.linkmedia.com, and that's a link with an E. You can also contact me through the website there. There's a website form. And if you want to support the show, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash katebushpodcast. So we'll see everybody in a couple of weeks. We're going to be taking a short break, and then we're going to start doing the B-sides from Hounds of Love. And we're going to be starting with, I know this is a fan favorite, and it's definitely a favorite for me under the ivy because that was the lead single or that was the b-side for the lead single from hounds of love so we're gonna get to do that one in a couple of weeks and i cannot wait for that one i can't wait for the rest of these b-side episodes and i know a lot of you guys are probably like oh my gosh yay we get to do these songs so we'll join me in a couple of weeks we're gonna get to start the b-sides we'll see everybody then bye What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.